Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to the Loops and Life Cycles Podcast with Josh Mason. When you hear a new idea, do you wonder, can I put this into practice and what I'm doing? Join Josh Mason and guests as they dig into concepts from multiple disciplines to find ways to improve our business, our security, and our lives. Enjoy this episode, and remember that knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to Loops and Life Cycles. This is Josh Mason, your host. Today, I've got with me Steve Luzinski from the Aerospace Village. Steve and I share a similar background. We both went from the cockpit to the cyber realm. Steve, if you could introduce yourself a little bit. I know you've got an F-22 back there. I know you've flown F-35 as well. Not F-35, F-15 before F-22, but I appreciate it. No, this is awesome. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, this is this is very cool. Another Air Force former pilot. We can talk about the good old days when things were easy, just flying around. But I really appreciate getting to be on here. And I, where are you in your podcast series? What number guest am I? I think I'm fairly early on. Guest number four. Nice. All right. That's awesome. So I got to. You inspired me a little bit to do this. Holy cow. Yeah. The fact that you're on here, because this is all part of ITSP and Sean and Marco, right? Yep, yep. Man, that's awesome. And I found you listening <laughs> to them Even interview you for RSA. Those guys tolerate me. I, I do appreciate all of their work and the fact that they give you a platform. Again, thank you for letting me be on here. So for the crowd that's listening, and, and thank you all for joining in. You may have heard me if you've listened to some of the other podcasts, but happy to be in here as a part of the Aerospace Village. So my background, as Josh said, former Air Force, it's been a little while. I retired in 2017, but my most of my career was as a fighter pilot. I, re- I had a great time. So I started flying F-15s. I moved into F-22s. I had school and just very few non-flying jobs in between. I was very fortunate but one of them was getting into cybersecurity, building on just being a nerd and enjoying it, but really digging into what the military was doing, what industry was doing, and government side of things way back in 2007. So when they were thinking about cyber command and things were really starting to pick up, that's where my interest really got peaked in all of this. And then at the end of my Air Force career, I worked at the Pentagon for three years in uh, cyber policy on the civilian side. And that was, I don't like to brag ever about having been to the Pentagon, but I did, I learned a lot and I really enjoyed the folks I work with. And that's what got me into aviation cybersecurity. Mm. Uh, I went in the private sector for three years as a chief information security officer, building a security program. That was great. And really seeing that side of things. And that previous time was what made me say, I want to stay in cybersecurity. I worked at CISA, the agency, for, for one year during COVID, leading a task force. And my current job is at Accenture Federal, working on critical infrastructure cybersecurity. But all of that aside, the best part is that time at the Pentagon. Again, I don't like to brag about it, but those connections and now being a part of the Aerospace Village, uh, that's been a 
hobby on the side, volunteering for that, the, the folks that I work with in the village and bringing in volunteers like yourself, man, that is, that's been the, the, the fun part of things. So how did the village get started? I tried to propose a new village to get new people in, mm -hmm. and I still got that nonprofit that's doing other stuff. But how did Aerospace Village actually become? Like, what so, led? Some smart people is the the very short answer. The if if you think back to 2014, 2015, there were. Nobody talked about when I flew, and I'm imagining when you flew, and granted, two different decades, I'm sure. Nobody, we didn't talk about cybersecurity in the cockpit and things like that. It just, we didn't worry about that stuff. We didn't know about it or somebody else was worrying about it. But bottom line right. is there were some media reports coming out, some things that security researchers were doing and, and saying, and the way media was writing about them, both in aviation and space but people didn't really talk about it. And sometimes what got written and how it was presented was not, not as well presented as it could have been for whatever reason. And so from those, a number of different uh, incidents and reports, you had some smart folks like at the Atlantic Council recognizing mm -hmm. guys like Bo Woods and the Cyber Statecraft Initiative recognizing that there's something going on in this sector that needs to be talked about. What's really happening there? He got connected with Pete Cooper, uh, who is, I'm happy to talk about him as a counterpart in the sense of we share, and he was in the UK air, the Royal Air Force, flying background, got into cybersecurity, and then retired. And he and I met because of Bo, and he was part of, he was the author of report through Bo's work at the Atlantic Council that was published talking about cybersecurity in the aviation sector. And that was the first time it was really talked about publicly with Talus as the sponsor of that report. And the things I was seeing at the time behind the scenes in the U.S. government, in the U.S. military and research and things that were going on. So it was good to see that out in public, talking about it in a very smart, very credible way, what Pete and Bo and the others on the team that contributed. I, had a, I get to say I had a small contribution, but what they drove and then when they rolled out that report in November of 2017 and the other smart people that came in talking about and supporting that. So those efforts and then that, the, all of those things leading up to that. And then ultimately when you've got, again, smart people like Bo, Alex Romero and other and many others. Again, I'm, I know I'm leaving out a lot of names here, but when they know there's DEFCON and they know there's these villages and these specializations and where people want to go focus, and they know there are people who want to talk about these things, a good idea comes up. Next thing you know, 2019, we have the Aviation Village. Mm -hmm. Jen Ellis was another contributor. Katie. Noble early on and working when she was at the entity, I forget the name now, NPPD, before it became SZA. Randy Talley was part of that. And just when those groups started coming together and talking about these things and what could be done and, and what should be done and how, and we have an aviation village in 2019 at DEFCON. And that was, and then it's just taken off since then, literally taken off. Yeah. So 
classic Air Force mission. You've got a the strategy to task. You've got a goal. You guys set out and you folks set up and put Aviation Village out there and it grew into the Aerospace Village. But I look at it like a one flight to the next. How did you grow? How did you did you have a process there? Or did you just lean on <laughs> we, we lean on a lot of people. Pilots. But, so, it's not like maybe it was, and I didn't know the first year because I was more on the periphery of what I contributed in helping out. But mm-hmm. I know somebody like Bo, smart, talented, involved in a number of villages, creating those villages and how you do it and why you do it and the right path to navigate. So there was experience there. I don't know if that process was necessarily laid out, but you got somebody like that with Mm -hmm. the folks with the ideas and you put them together and this is what comes out of it. So the beauty was taking experiences from other villages, leaning on them to get their expertise, to do this, don't do that, how they went about doing it. Uh, concerns, right? Not everybody thinks it's a great idea to start talking about cybersecurity in certain areas where uh, safety is a critical issue, right? Lives are at stake and and we want to make sure we do this in the way that it's productive and useful to advancing mm-hmm. these efforts, not causing mayhem and FUD and things that are going to pop up in the media when they're said the wrong way because that is not what was intended. So having to navigate right. all of that, it was I'd say, and, and I think Pete would tell you, a lot more ad lib than any set planning. But again, you have the smart folks coming together, bringing these things in the right way, connecting mm-hmm. with folks, talking, communicating. Um, and that's what we're all about. And that was the beauty of how we pulled all that together. Nice. You're at the helm on this one. How how did you build on what do we want DEFCON 31 Aerospace Village to look like with some of those in the past? Was there a specific, we want this, we don't want that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm at the helm, but I have one separate set of efforts and the incredible crew that does the other part. We started off as a village. We've grown into a nonprofit that does the village at DEFCON and other events. So that's the growth we've seen. And, and this is our fifth year. So it's great to go, holy yeah. cow, we are at our fifth year. This is awesome. We've done this five times, granted. One and a half of those was virtual. But in person, uh, being able to build on the success. And specifically to so the first part is I run the nonprofit side of what we do mm-hmm. as the chairman for the board of directors smart people overseeing generally what's the direction, how are we doing things, how do we partner, what do we want to pursue next, and helping bring those connections in. The smart folks that are our speakers or the folks, the companies, the people, the government agencies that are bringing things for our audience uh, hands-on, whether Mm -hmm. it's a simple, easy capture the flag or more complex capture the flag to other demonstrations and trying to grow across all of those areas. Uh, but the team who actually does DEF CON 
and RSA, mm -hmm. AIAA, American Institute of Aeronautics, etc. There's so many events out there. We do those things as well as behind the scenes efforts supporting STEM education mm -hmm. events. Uh, that team, the board of directors is volunteers, that team is volunteers. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause and brag on them for a moment and I'll come back to answering your question. But man, they are, we've got folks from around the world, Japan, a lot of folks in the UK. We're picking up more folks that come from the EU as well as all over the United States. And they're volunteers. They do this as at, after their day job, in between their day job, and contribute their time to organize the events, to put out that call for papers, and sort through all the things coming in and line them up and get the slides and get people at the right place on time. And Lillian, if you get a chance to talk to her, I'm sure you will when you're out at DEF CON. She runs all of that. And it's just amazing. Uh, the folks, we, have, we, we collect mats. We've got two Matts who are the director, the executive director and assistant, and another Matt who's a contributor. And those guys, Jim Gurney, who works Gurney, who works on things, Jim Ross, just this collection of folks who have been around from the, the first time that we were a village is the aviation village and what they have done to continue growing. Back to what you specifically asked. Our approach is our mission early on that we developed is build, inspire, promote. That's the easy tagline. And what that means is building relationships to sustain trust between the government, between industry and security researchers, the hacker community. We want to, if it isn't there, we want to establish it. It is there in, in general, it really is there. We want to grow that. We want to make sure folks know who to talk to before there's a crisis, right? That's where you can always yeah. better something uh, goes down, uh, wherever we can help on that. The inspire part is inspiring the next generation of cybersecurity leaders, right? It's not always going to be folks like me from the policy level or the technical level. It's mm -hmm. who's next. And we have in our village, those volunteers I talked about, we have everybody from like I said, you know, somebody like me, older, more experienced, less technical, more government, more policy, military strategy type uh, understanding and thinking and connections and perspective on things. And we have brand new versions of that. We have brand new technical people and we have incredibly experienced technical people. We have former military. We have former pilots. We have current pilots. We have going to be pilots. So we have that range of the cyber side, the, the flying side, the space side, all of that. And the point is, is inspiring those who want to get into cybersecurity, especially if we can say cybersecurity is pretty cool, but look at it on airplanes and satellites and the airports and ground control infrastructure, all of that. There's just a world of things out there. So inspiring people to come into that. Mm -hmm. Final one is promote, and that's promote an understanding of what's going on, the reality that there are tons of people behind the scenes you never hear about, like you would assume is probably happening in government, but definitely in the private sector, in academia, what's going on in these companies where folks are working together, the mm -hmm. researchers who are doing things to make things better by making mm -hmm. them more secure, which makes them safer. So that's what drives 
the things we bring in the village and the people that we bring in that we we ask and who come in that we allow to give them time because we want to hear what they're going to talk about for our audience. Nice, nice. I uh, I can't help but think of like Hap Arnold and Billy Mitchell taking what's existing and trying to build out a whole full framework from that. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it's really awesome. One of my first roles, once I was an active co-pilot in C-130, because then, then you have to get a real job, I was yeah. as a safety officer. And yeah. I feel like Air Force safety and what we do in cyber are so closely related, taking an incident, realizing, okay, how do we recover? And then how do we prevent? And then how do we take those lessons learned and help prevent it again in the future? Do you see this kind of melding into that same sort of organization, like working where safety and cyber are working hand in hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most definitely, yes. And the reason why I say that so emphatically is mm-hmm. one of the things a few years ago, I heard this quite a bit when you have these discussions on the aviation side and, and then have discovered it similar, I would say, on the space side. And again, as an outsider watching this and talking to the experts who are in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You cyber people, and, and again, also as a CISO in the private sector, right? How do you get the business to do the cyber things that are slowing them down? But if you don't have the cybersecurity, they are not operating, right? So put that in an aviation setting. How do you get the engineers to want to do those things that slow them down or the pilots, the crew, the ground, you, know, you name it? And so it, it was always talked about as, well, that's your security stuff. That's what's going to keep the email secure. And it's, no, that's going to keep your airplane secure, your ground system secure, your air traffic control. Like it's way beyond. So a lot of this is that IT, OT type of mindset, information mm-hmm. technology, make the email go, operational technology, the airplanes, the air traffic control, the communications, make that work. Because mm-hmm. if the email stops, nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody's going to die. The other things there's potential. So let's keep that going. And so when you find the the smart folks who understand, I know the nerds over there, they want me to do the security stuff because it's actually going to help me as an engineer, an operator, whatever it is, make things safe. So instead of having that safety versus security mindset, it's security to make things safe. That is, we've seen that evolve and we see the same thing on the space side Um, and so you start getting more appreciation for that where folks are like yeah i guess if i build that in early and i talk to the the nerds i don't normally want to talk to they're oh they know what they're doing and Mm -hmm. and vice versa the security folks have to understand what you're asking them to do does not make sense from a mission perspective from an Mm -hmm. operational perspective so you better find a way either explain it correctly which is, I'd say, across the board issue in cybersecurity, talking to the board, talking to business people, in this case, talking to operators, right? or develop the solutions that meet what they need. Uh, because we are talking about more than just the email keeps going in some of these areas. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Where do you see 
the next phase going? I know yeah. SEC rules just came out. The director, national or national director of cybersecurity, whoever yep. is in charge of the White House, looking at putting responsibility on some of the folks to have secure software. Mm-hmm. I think of it like if we keep crashing F-16s, maybe we should be looking at how we're designing F-16s. Um, Always like to bash on the F-16, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, <laughs> it's easy. Going for the easy kill. That's um, right. <laughs> do you think that that's going to help, that moving in the, that sort of direction is positive for us? How do you see things going? You've yeah. also been up there at the uh, the top level. So what's good about it is I don't know the SE stuff super well. What I have been seeing, I've seen both sides of happy and unhappy. The cybersecurity marking system that also was recently announced. The other things from the supply chain security, all the executive orders coming out, right? You've got what you were talking about, the Office of the National Cyber Director, right? Under Inglis, they published the national cybersecurity strategy. The next iteration is the implementation plan that came out a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, you have the national strategy for the work cybersecurity workforce. Yep. Uh, and the village, we've had, we've been involved in helping be a part of that and see certain things. And so certain things I know more about. But ultimately, I list that giant range of just stuff. It shows the difference, the attitude, the change in what government's doing to catch up and get ahead of certain things. The fact that groups are coming in and able to contribute and be a part of the review. The fact that not just that ONCD level, but other parts of government that we're seeing, just what I know from an aviation and space sector, where uh, when we've had the chief information security officer of FAA talk in the village, next week at DEF CON, I'm going to do a fireside chat with the administrator of TSA. And the fact that they're willing to come in to an event like DEF CON, to a mm-hmm. place like the Aerospace Village, have those conversations with us, that to me is what's the most telling of it's not only the we're going to put out a bunch of guidance and paperwork and things like that's necessary but we're going to go out there where these experts are and we're going to talk to them at these events and conferences because have no doubt they need the recruiting everybody has a workforce shortage to work through but that's also Mm -hmm. where the expertise is and that's where they meet these folks so to me all of those things show that positive shift, that change, the willingness to engage, the willingness to uh, be a part of the event and talk to the hacker committee. Nice, nice. That is really awesome. I think it's great that agencies are sending folks to participate. I know Jen Easterly was at DEF CON in the past and Mm -hmm. imagine Mm -hmm. she's going to be in Las Vegas next week. Yeah, around and about. Yep, exactly. Do you see us iterating well enough in cyber? I know I used to critique. Once when you're a pilot, you just get in the style of critiquing, right? We all critique one another. Um, 
I got used to being like, okay, well, that was a good debrief style, or that was not a great debrief style, or that IP was, I don't want to fly with them, or I feel like I don't really get much when I fly with them. Yeah. When we get then into the cyber realm, there's all sorts of folks, there's more folks, and there's tons and tons of incidents. Do you feel like there's a best way or a proper way to take lessons learned from incidents or engagements. I'm really leaning in on you as a, a woe, <laughs> a weapons <laughs> officer too. It sounds very familiar. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting question. I know this is something that we've talked about before and I've talked about with others. On the one, I, I don't think so. And mm -hmm. I think I would scoff heavily anybody who's like, oh yeah, there is a best way. Here's what works. Because what we're talking about, so from my experience on the military side, the way mm -hmm. that when we fly, you prepare, you fly the mission, and then you come back in and you debrief. We spend all that time and money going out flying. We spent the time on the people, the gas, all of that. You better get every bit of training and learning out of what you just did. In my example, and in, in the fighter community, we are very, where I came from, very uh, anal retentive about certain things, for lack of a better way to say it. That if I flew for a half an hour, I might come back and talk for two hours mm -hmm. to pick out every little bit of what went right and wrong for me to learn and for my student to learn. And then when it gets to be four, eight plus airplanes going out doing training, there's only that much more to talk about and that much mm -hmm. more time. But the point was, because it was invaluable in making us better. And it's easy, right? That's the standard that was established. It's the military. It's very regimented in many respects, things like that. And I think that's similar to your experience. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and, but then it varied across airplanes. Mm -hmm. how they did it and all that. So then now throw that in a cyber uh, example. And I think there's way more airplanes in cyber that can do things different. And oh, by the way, every company is different. There's no reason for them to be exactly the same company, mm -hmm. industry, sector, vertical, whatever you want to call it. But I do think when like I see at the conferences and the talks people are doing that, there's more and more sharing, whether it's just across the security researchers, whether it's bringing the companies in, the government agencies. Again, all of those groups coming together and being able to go, man, the government's a pain in the ass, but wow, that's useful. Or industry, you don't know what we do in government. Wait a minute, that's cutting edge. I want more of that in my stodgy bureaucracy of government because it's good stuff. So as we continue to do that, we see that crosstalk and the value of all of that. So do we ever need to get to, to be as standardized as what I grew up on in the airplane world? Not necessarily, but there are some lessons there and you get a few people to start glomming onto those and start applying them. NIST puts out a framework to try to get everybody thinking about things similarly, not necessarily identically, so then at least the language makes sense and the approach makes sense and, and different things can come together and then they can customize where they need it. So that is the value I see there. 
Excellent. So then, since we don't have weapon school and we don't have all these instructor pilots and we don't have this framework of brief fly debrief mm -hmm. that we had back when we were in the cockpit, do you think that then conferences like DEF CON, B-Sides become much more valuable as a way of sharing the information and taking in information that other people mm -hmm. have learned from in the time since the last conference or yeah. what they've been working on? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, there's the, the what I really like, and I see this regularly at B-Sides conferences and DEF CON and Schmoo. You have those super amazing high-level expertise because they're so deeply technical of what people have found and the fixes they have found for the problems. And those are great. And there is a there is just a continually growing group of people who have those skills. And it is awesome to see. And I love to go sit in the talks and get about two or three minutes in. And I'm like, okay, I have no longer understand what's being talked about. But I appreciate that the entire audience is like, this is amazing. I'm like, yep, that I'm sure of. But the things I, I can keep up with is when you see the, I'll call them less, less sexy, right? That they're mm -hmm. the basics uh, that a lot of times when somebody comes in and goes, look, I've done this forever. Here's the basics that work for me all this time. That is amazing because some people would look at it and go, well, that's boring. It's not the fun, highly technical. And yeah, that's the blocking and tackling. The basics that if you do that every day consistently, a lot of your problems are solved when it comes to the security side. Simple statement, not necessarily easy to execute, right? And when you have new people coming in, and that, that's why I love B-Sides so much, you have new folks coming in going, I don't know, this is how I think about applying that particular thing, but the way they see it, the way they learned it, or the way they bring in another element of previous experience and how they apply it. And that makes the old fogies look at it and go, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And it gives them new ideas. So again, whether it's the highly technical or the basics, the beauty is this consistent sharing and the growth and the, the, the crappy part of COVID that we all dealt with. Yep, we had that. We couldn't go in person, but we got all kinds of stuff recorded because everybody was recording their talks. And I know from a village perspective, we have an entire YouTube channel from a year and a half of recording our talks because we had to. Now this year, we're planning on recording our talks because we want to. We mm -hmm. want people to be able to see it. We want people to be able to go back and learn. And when I get emails saying, hey, how do I get into this? Start on our YouTube channel. We have so many experts that have talked about space, about aviation, from so many perspectives. Like, start there. And if you want to meet those people, we can make the connection. If you want to go find out more about what they do, you got their website. So you have so many resources now that again, with the conferences and what's going on. I think that's the beauty of what's happening and what we're seeing continuing. It's not as a change, it's been there, but it's continuing to grow. Uh, and I know from our village perspective, uh, the benefit is growing too. That's awesome. So I know 
I'm going to see you next week. I'm hoping to see you yeah. at B-Sides, hear your talk, and then spend some time with you at the Village. Where else can people find you, Steve? Or how else can they find out about the Aerospace Village? Yeah, a number of things. Because our village, we've got so many people and the things that we're able to branch out and, and do things. DEFCON next week. So that entire week of Hacker Summer Camp, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm doing a couple talks at B-Sides Las Vegas. You've got folks that are going to be at Diana Initiative and I'm sure Black Hat. Um, but then, of course, at DEFCON and all that we're doing with the village at DEFCON. But uh, outside of that, uh, I know what we're planning uh, following that is... Uh, we've got the Aviation ISAC having their annual summit. That's going to be in Dublin, so not a tough place to get to go hang out. Uh, but all that they're bringing together specifically focused on aviation cybersecurity. Uh, I'm going to be participating in a panel talk there about engaging sh- security researchers and how that's evolved and improved over time. Um, I mentioned before uh, AIAA. They're a close partner of ours as an association that looks at both aviation space, they have a heavy uh, engineering, academic, student presence, and they're growing their cybersecurity. And again, getting the engineers to talk to the cybersecurity people across government, industry, academia. And so our partnership with them is helping them bring that content in. I'm looking forward to doing a panel talk there with a uh, representative from CISA and another company. I can't remember off the top of my head. I apologize. Uh, But being able to talk about the work they're doing when you look at things about the impact of space, critical infrastructure, where it fits in, where it supports our daily lives in ways you don't always think about. So that's just a couple of things that we're already have on tap for this year. Man, I'll have to bring you back on so we can chat some more and yeah. get more in depth and what that's going to look like and you should attend some of those things but thank you again steve for being here and thank you all for listening if you enjoyed this please rank us high and share us with your friends and we hope to we all hope to see you at summer camp next week yeah you bet and i'll throw out aerospacevillage.org awesome thanks appreciate it josh see you all We hope you enjoyed this episode of Loops and Lifecycles podcast with Josh Mason, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our shows. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey 